we are done with COVID, but COVID is not done with us. I think as you're looking towards the year-end holidays, people need to be careful. They want to do gatherings where everybody's vaccinated. Anyone who is not vaccinated needs to wear a mask and to socially distance. Welcome to the Rain Insights on COVID-19 podcast. I'm Emily Donahue. In today's episode, host and Rain founder David Lawrence speaks to Dr. Bill Lang, an expert in public health responses to biological incidents, including pandemics. They talk about masking up for holiday gatherings, an increase in cases in Europe, and the real effects of long-haul COVID. Let's listen. Uh, Bill, thanks for joining us. Uh, this is the first week without Fred. Um, he is literally making his rounds at the hospital. He, um, there are a number of cases that he's very much involved with. So we'll catch up with him uh, hopefully uh, in about a week or so. But Bill, uh, thank you for taking the time. I know there are several topics here to discuss that um, that are very much in the news and on the minds of people. Why don't we start with uh, developments in terms of the booster vaccine and approvals and uh, where we are. There was a recent announcement by the FDA, and maybe you can uh, simplify this for the audience. Sure. And actually what the FDA did was simplify it. The booster is now authorized at the FDA level for everybody if you're six months out from your initial vaccination. So that obviously takes out kids because none of the kids will be six months out. But for so for all adults who have been vaccinated, once you were six months out, you are authorized to get the to get a uh, booster vaccination. Now, the CDC still has to weigh in on it, and they're doing a special, apparently a special telephonic meeting of the Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices today so that they can issue a new recommendation. And that's the second part that has to happen. First, it gets authorized, and then there's a formal recommendation that everybody should get the booster. And the reason for this is very simple. The, the data is increasingly, every every week, we are seeing more breakthrough cases. And with the more breakthrough cases, it's just because these vaccines appear to have an expiration date of about six months after you get them. And so at that six-month point, you really need to get a uh, booster dose in order to maintain your uh, immunity. And the booster dose that we're seeing is having really good effect even with Delta. Compared to not being boosted, the booster dose decreases your risk of infection, any degree of symptomatic infection, by 11.3 times. That is equal to greater than 95% efficacy, and it decreases your risk of severe infection versus just having had the two doses and being six months out by 19.5 times. Now, that's primarily Israeli data because the Israelis have the most, they've been doing the boosters the longest. We just haven't been doing boosters long enough in the U.S. to have a lot of good data. But we have we do have some corroborating data in the U.S. also. So the boosters really, really are effective. Now, the big question that's going to come out of that is, will boosters be mandatory? Um, not that, you know, the, the whole mandatory question has been a has been a huge deal in this country, but um, what, what is going to be, the, in order to be considered fully vaccinated, are you going to need a booster? We know that's happening in, in Europe. You know, as Europe is having this big outbreak, 
the requirement for a booster to be considered fully vaccinated is becoming increasingly common. Um, and then in, uh, in the United States, we don't have enough experience with it to really know whether it's going to be a, a become part of the definition of fully vaccinated or not yet. So Bill, in your estimation, is this the new, uh, the new normal? Uh, every six months, people are going to need a booster, or do you see the risk uh, waning eventually? Yeah, and unfortunately, with viruses and vaccines, you just don't know until you actually get there. But let me give you an example of where that's not the case. If with the hepatitis B vaccine, one of the most common vaccines used in the United States, and in fact, as of just this last month, uh, now everybody is recommended to have the hepatitis B vaccine. It's a three-shot series, just as is seeming to be developing for uh, COVID-19. You have to get to the first two shots that you get a month apart, just like with COVID-19. And if that's all you get, your immunity lasts about five to six months. But then if you get another shot at six to 12 months after the first two, you have lifelong good immunity against hepatitis B. You never have to get a hepatitis B booster. So there is good precedence for a, a vaccine that does create durable immunity after you get the booster a few months later. So let's, let's, I think there's a lot of reason to hope that we may not need boosters and a lot of reason to hope that the immunity that we get after the booster may be even better and more durable than what we saw at the, after the first two shots. Let me switch gears, um, perhaps understandably because of the efficacy of the vaccines and the booster. Uh, attention has really turned to people who contracted COVID and what's, I guess, termed as the long haul effect. Uh, maybe you can bring the audience um, up to speed. I think everyone knows someone who still seems to be suffering the lingering effects. But what is the science telling us? Uh, what are we continuing to learn around uh, the impact of the virus? Well, that is, we're, we continue every day, it seems, that we learn more about potential long-haul effects. Most seem to be related to um, various inflammatory effects of the virus or effects on the immune system. But then we're also seeing some um, uh, more, if you would call it, psychologic effects. Now, psychologic effects are, as we learn more and more, are also there is a physical biochemical reason behind them. Oftentimes it is related to some type of inflammation or, or immune system dysfunction. But, but the important thing is, is we are seeing more and more of that. Now, this is not um, uh, unique to COVID. Um, we see other viruses, Epstein-Barr virus, for example, very, very common virus that in some people causes long-term symptoms. Now with that, we oftentimes refer to that as chronic fatigue syndrome, which does seem to be more and more virally mediated. So this is not something that is, is totally new and unique to, to COVID-19. But it's something that is there's going to be a lot of research done over the years. And importantly, there is already a lot of research that is being done on these kind of long haul virally mediated diseases. So what the real answer is, we don't know yet. But another important consideration, if you've got people that are on the fence about getting vaccinated, 
one of the big things that people say with the vaccine, one of the reasons they give is, well, we haven't had it around long enough to know what the long-term effects of the vaccine are. Well, but the thing is now, now we are knowing that the disease has long-term effects. So if you're worried about getting long-term effects from a vaccine, from a vaccine and instead willing to accept the, the known risk of long-term effects from getting the disease, you know, that doesn't necessarily compute. So that has needs to be another, this whole long haul needs to be another thing that people take into consideration if, if they are considering not getting vaccinated. And maybe just to put a fine point on this, because you and Fred have emphasized, as people worry about the side effects of, or potential side effects of the vaccine, it has to be weighed against the absolute and proven uh, effects of the disease. And what I'm hearing you say is that the risk of not taking the vaccine and having long haul effects from not taking it far exceed any concerns, or, or at least as the data is showing, any, any potential concerns or worries that people should have around being vaccinated and taking the booster. Uh, that's exactly right. And the, the, what people will say is, um, well, we don't know what the long-term effects are. But, you know, but we do know what the long-term effects are of getting disease. And it's, do you want to, but that's very common is that people discount the effects of something that could be done, that could happen to them um, and over emphasize the effects when they are making a decision to do something to themselves, like get a vaccination. And Bill, the news has also been filled with what I'll refer to as the doors opening up to try to find normalcy. Uh, putting aside the politics of mask wearing, et cetera, uh, at least here in New York, you have the opening of the uh, reopening of the Thanksgiving Day Parade. There are announcements about what New Year's Eve might look like at Times Square. Um, there are concerts, there are basketball and football games, uh, and obviously universities have uh, reconvened. Uh, maybe you can share with us a little bit of what the data seems to be showing, but maybe more importantly, what you will be specifically watching and looking for over the holiday season, both well, you and Fred. Yeah, the, New York is actually a very good example because New York has this very well, very well done um, Empire Pass system where you have to you have to get an Empire Pass and prove that you're either fully vaccinated or that you've been tested within the last 72 hours um, in order to go into events, restaurants. Um, I would I I've heard that that's going to be the requirement to get into the uh, Thanksgiving Day Parade you know, to be along the parade route. Um, I've also, it's been said that that will be a requirement to be in Times Square for the, the uh, ball drop. So the, what's interesting about that is that the state of New York can very easily, just with the you know, computer, a couple computer strokes, change what the requirement is to, be, to get your pass. Do you have to have a booster or not? And that's going to be the big question. It's not, the question is not, is the federal government going to make boosters mandatory? That whole mandatory question is that's going to be in the courts for a long time. But can a state make it 
mandatory to be considered fully vaccinated. The state can do that with the stroke of the stroke of the governor's pen and a couple of key strokes at the state health department. Um, I think that it's very likely we'll see those kinds of things start happening before too long at all, that you either have to have two shots, well, two shots, two of the mRNA or one of the J&J plus a booster. Ideally, an mRNA is the booster. Um, I, I'm not recommending people to use the J&J vaccine as a booster. Get Even if you got J&J initially, get an mRNA. But I think we're going to see that required for being considered fully vaccinated um, at the state level or in, in other unofficial settings. Okay, and just, uh, again, to keep the language consistent, when you say mRNA vaccine, you're referring specifically to either Pfizer or Moderna. Let me um, also raise the prospect of international travel and restrictions that are seem to be uh, being eased. And again, what are you going to be looking for? And I'd love to get your judgment about whether um, we have the right rules in effect, too much, too little, etc. Well, what we are seeing is an increasing number of countries, especially in Europe, where they're having a fairly significant um, new wave of uh, virus as as both immunizations are reaching their expiration date and people are going indoors. We are seeing official requirements for boosters. So far, France, Austria, Switzerland, and Croatia have announced expiration dates on uh, your fully vaccine status if you don't have a booster, if you want to travel to those countries. I think it's we've also heard that the UK is talking about it. Um, I think we'll probably see the UK do this do the same thing. So I think what we're go- what we are seeing is not a re growth of restrictions, um, you know, economic restrictions or, you know, opening of stores and restaurants, but we are seeing a, we are going to see a regrowth of restrictions and emphasis on requirements for uh, vaccine, for having approved vaccine status to include boosters in these countries where we are seeing significant uh, uh, recrudescence of the, uh, of these waves. Easy to focus on, uh the issues of COVID and what people should do or not do uh, more easily overlooked are the issues around influenza, influenza season, and whether people are being vaccinated. And I know you've been tracking this because uh, flu season invariably brings about uh, significant illness and also, uh, quite frankly, hospitalizations and deaths. So what are you what are you seeing there? Because I know you you've been on the uh, sort of on the road urging people to get their flu shots. Right. I, that's one of the big things that last year people were uh, were good about getting flu shots. Plus, everybody was wearing wearing masks and paying a lot of attention to surfaces. Um, since last flu seasons, you know, CDC came out and said, well, surfaces are not real important for transmitting COVID. So a lot of that concern about hand washing and wiping down things in airplanes and and, uh, handles and all that has gone out the window. 
but those are the ways that flu is transmitted. Flu is transmitted primarily by droplets and by things that you touch. So as we are paying less attention to what you touch with your hands and then touching your face, we're paying less attention. We're not wearing masks as much. Um, that's raising the possibility and, in fact, the probability of increased uh, influenza transmission. And, in fact, while the transmission rate last year, there basically was no influenza season. There has been fear. Uh, Dr. Scott Gottlieb said that he anticipated that we were going to have a very severe flu season either this year or next year, most likely next year. Um, we are starting to see some outbreaks of flu. Um, that oftentimes happens a year before a very bad general outbreak of the flu. Specifically, so far this year, the state of New Mexico is already at a high flu level. Um, they're the only state that's at a high, that's even above my, minimal flu, but they're having a high. They've had a couple of large outbreaks. And the state in, in Michigan, um, the University of Michigan, has had an outbreak of 538 cases of flu on the university. And that's still counting because they have only just now in the last week or so really started to put into place mitigation techniques, which is basically going back to what we did last year, you know, requiring anyone with any symptoms, requiring most people to be masks, requiring, um, requiring masks of anyone with symptoms, making sure anyone with symptoms knows to go get go get checked and get a flu test done in addition to getting a COVID test done. Um, so there's mitigation in place, but the big thing is people need to get a flu shot. Um, words of, uh, as we approach Thanksgiving, um, just wanted to close on this. And um, Last year, um, obviously, it was a very different Thanksgiving, and there were public health warnings about family gatherings and people traveling, uh, et cetera, but um, already the airlines are reporting record bookings. People are making preparations for large family gatherings. Any rules of the road, Bill, that you would advise? Well, I think I said this last week, but I'll say it again. Um, we are done with COVID, but COVID is not done with us. Um, I think as you're looking towards these, these the year-end holidays, um, People need to be careful. Look at they want to do gatherings where everybody's vaccinated. If everybody is not vaccinated, anyone who is not vaccinated needs to wear a mask and to socially distance. Especially these year-end gatherings tend to have you know grandma and granddad there, and they are going to be they are at at higher risk. Even if they've been vaccinated, they are still going to be at higher risk. So you need to be need to be careful. And if people are not vaccinated, keep them away. You need to try to increase ventilation. We're seeing the rates go up. It is noticeable that these rates are going up, especially in more preferentially in the northern tier country uh, states where people are indoors more. So when you're indoors in tight spaces, you raise your risk. Make sure you have you have good ventilation. You know, even if that you have to spend a little bit more money on heat, it might be a good idea to open a window or a door or two and just keep the air moving during the period when you've got a large number of people there. Testing, if you've especially if you have high risk people in the event, you may want to consider testing people, especially you know perhaps the young people who have been out and about, uh, going to parties, coming back 
from school, you know, regathering after being separated over the course of the year, you may want to consider, even if it's antigen testing, which is not quite as good as the, the molecular testing, but it's cheap. So there may be some cheap insurance for you to make sure, you know, about 10 bucks a test to make sure that you've lowered the risk that somebody's going to bring infection into the party. Um, those are the main things that you can do to uh, really try to help have a safe, have a safe, or as I like to say, a lower risk um, family gathering event over the holiday season. And uh, can I summon up uh, a firsthand testimonial because you've received a booster, I received a booster. Uh, there were fortunately no side effects. Uh, from that experience, I had a I had a little bit of a red sore arm, and that was that was the only thing um, felt really good. Okay, Bill, thank you uh, so very much. We miss Fred, uh, but I know he he truly is doing some very important work today. Thanks again, Bill. Well, thank you, David, and I'm looking forward to getting Fred back next week. I learn an awful lot from Fred every week, so I'm, I'll look forward to being with him. Dr. Bill Lang is an expert in public health responses to biological incidents, including pandemics. RAIN is a risk intelligence company that provides access to critical insights, analysis, data, and support to ensure business continuity and resiliency for our members. Become a member of the largest community of risk professionals today. Visit RAINnetwork.com to sign up. That's R-A-N-E-Network.com. I'm Emily Donahue. Thanks for listening.